Good morning, church, uh, here and online. What happens if you don't eat? It's church, you can say this word. If you don't eat, you die. Uh, now, I, I, rumor has it that you can, I googled this, you can, people have lasted a lot longer than you might think, but eventually not eating is not good for you. Uh, it will have the same effect to everyone at some point if you don't eat. Now, uh, it, it's funny we have this phrase, right, as people are uh, growing, I have a toddler infant right now, and so we have these phrases like, well, you're a growing boy, you have to eat your vegetables. You're a growing girl, you have to eat this. And, and that's true, and we eat food to get taller, but we, we don't use that phrase at some certain point when we're grown, right? We don't say, you're a growing boy, dad, finish your burger. Uh, even though to an extent that's sort of true, we don't get to stop eating just because, you know, we've stopped growing this way. And, and, and we, we don't use that phrase, but, but what's also funny is uh, Jesus called himself food in the Bible, right? We just celebrated communion and the, the very first time he said, this is my body. Uh, this is my blood, talking about bread and wine. One of the psalms we looked at this summer, Sanjay taught Psalm 63, it says, we long for God like a deer thirsts for water. There's a conversation in the book of John Jesus has with a woman at a well, and he says he is like living water. There's an uh, incredible passage in Jeremiah where he is told by God to eat the words of God, and he said they were sweet to him. God himself describes our spiritual pursuit of him in terms of eating food. It's an extended biblical metaphor that's not an accident, and it's really helpful. And so it caused me to think, well, why is this the case? Why this extended metaphor throughout the Bible? Because we understand food and we don't ever get to stop eating. And that helps us understand this idea of pursuing Jesus. He uses terms that we're familiar with. We're never done eating. We're never done pursuing Jesus. And so uh, where we're at this morning is part two of our first big idea in North Shore's new vision and mission statement, passionately pursue Jesus. This is the first of four big ideas in our new mission statement as we, as we walk down this path to living out faith in Jesus. And so that comes under our vision statement, which has uh, already been said by Pat, but to see our communities change through hope in Jesus one person at a time. And that comes under our compelling snapshot, which is that hope changes everything. And so as we continue to drill down on these, last week Pat and Scott came up and did an incredible job talking about the pursuit Right? And laying before us, what is that pursuit? It's not aimless, it's about Jesus. And how do we pursue? We pursue passionately. And this week, I am honored to talk to you about food. Uh, but in all honesty, they did a fantastic job of getting us to think about the effort and energy we put into following Jesus. 
Jesus is whom we are about, and we are after him. So the question before us this morning is we uh, get a little bit more specific, kind of like a good health guru, well then what must I eat? What, what do I eat? How do I do this? The original draft of the mission statement actually had a little bit of a longer phrase. And so this one was to pers- passionately pursue Jesus through prayer, worship, and God's word. And we shortened it to what that we've been saying and putting in print, but that idea drove this line to passionately pursue Jesus through prayer, worship, and God's word. We chose those because they're identified in Scripture and modeled by Jesus himself as some of the primary ways that we connect with our Father, that we connect with Jesus himself. They're activities that send us towards Jesus. But if we're going to talk about pursue, if we're going to talk about something that takes effort, if we're going to talk about something that sounds a little bit like work is required, then then you've got to see this. So we're going to the Bible here. Three passages. Um, We're going to go quickly, so I'm not going to necessarily say come and find these, but this is going to be Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now this is verse 13, for it is God who works in you. So verse 12, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Verse 13, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Here's another example. This is Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20 and 21. Now may the God of peace, here we go, verse 20, equip you with everything good for doing his will, And the second half, and may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Christ Jesus. So God equips us for doing good, but also may he work in us according to his will. And then one more, Colossians 1, verse 29. Uh, This is Paul's almost uh, mission statement himself as he sets up who Jesus is and why he does the work. And then he says, For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works in me. So this is very prevalent in our Bible. Three times, and there's more, that while we are called to pursue Jesus, while we do some work, it is not only our pursuit. And in fact, the worship team said something similar this morning, that that God is already pursuing us. This is where our work meets God's work. We are pursuing, but so is God. We are working to get to where God is doing things. I think it would be disingenuous to open up the Word of God and say that the point of what Scripture tells us is to just pursue harder. Pursue better. Pursue more often and more frequently. 
That's not the story of the gospel. That's not the story of how we ever would come to know God as it is abundantly clear that it is God who pursues and seeks us, then why would that just change after we have come to know the Lord? The gospel has never been about the strength or the accuracy of my pursuit. It is primarily about what God is doing in my life. And so as we look at these activities, it's, it's essentially that God has said, I have poured my power into these things. And we get the opportunity to meet him there where God is doing some of his best work. Why would we ignore that? So, I want to demonstrate what this looks like. I haven't done this here. You guys don't know me that well, but I like a lot of props. And uh, we do fun stuff over in student ministry. But here we go. All right, I have a paddleboard. We're gonna go that way. So, how long do you think it would take me to get this paddleboard across the stage? I don't know, you guys, maybe you guys know this a little bit. Do I like push differently? Maybe if I had two paddles, we get there that way. Uh, so, a paddleboard is not designed for a stage. It's not meant to do any traveling here. I could spend all day and an incredible amount of energy pushing on this thing, and it's not going to go the way that I want it to. This is not where or how a paddleboard works. So we believe that God works. God works everywhere. He is everywhere. God is not limited. But the Bible is very clear that there are places and there are ways that God has designed perfectly where he does something special. There are places and ways where God primarily works, especially in our relationship with him. That's why these three things prayer, worship, and God's word, these activities that send us towards Jesus. Now, could God show up in some other way? Say like a dream, and he could reveal himself to us in that way, and then we pursue him? Absolutely. But as I see it in scripture, those tend to be more of exceptions as opposed to something laid out in scripture for us to incorporate in our daily lives. Uh, just as, as God could have showed up and made this paddleboard scoot across the stage to the astonishment of everyone and wreck this whole sermon, but there is a system of water that God perfectly designed that functions the way that water is supposed to function 100% of the time. And if I put this there and I use it in the way that it was created, it will do something very enjoyable which is a nice day on the lake, or whatever that is. And so if I put it there, if we pursue Jesus through these types of things, because we must join in with God, it's not just about working really hard for the sake of working really hard, doing what God has designed us to do, meeting God where he promises to be at work in us. 
putting ourselves in the places and doing the types of things where God meets and does his work in my life. See what we're, we're getting at? Um, this, this is what we should eat. So let's jump in with these three, these acts that send us towards Jesus, prayer, worship, and the word of God. So we'll start with that first one. How does this work through prayer? Um, I'm going to be headed to Luke chapter 5, verse 15 and 16 in just a second. You should have these three on your notes with some space. Uh, But we're only three weeks removed from our summer series, right? A study in Psalms, and we looked at a bunch of these. Every word that is contained in the book of Psalms is some type of a prayer. So I don't think we need a ton of time to mention and recap um, what all this means, but that subtitle that we used, Honest Conversations with God, is a really good description and a reminder for us that thoughts directed towards God are prayer. Whether you speak them, whether you don't have great words, whether it's written out ahead of time, whether it's part of a song, but when we communicate with God in that way, that's Prayer, emotions, conversations of all kind, regardless of how eloquent our prayer. But Jesus demonstrated one of the the motivations to pray, one of the most pure motivations to pray, and that was simply just the stuff of life. So here we are, Luke 5, uh, verse 15 and 16, Which says, but now, even more, the report about him went abroad, and great crowds gathered to hear him and be healed of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. All right, a little participation uh, for everyone here. Show of hands, how many of you are healing people daily? Okay, a little bit less. Uh, how about, how many of you in this room have demands placed upon you by others? Okay, so we can relate, even if we're not called upon the Lord to heal people every day. That was just his son, Jesus, but he's having demands placed upon him. So we can relate to that. People are coming to Jesus. They want him to do something for them. And so the report about him went abroad. Great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed but he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. There's this pattern of reconnecting to God all throughout the Gospels. This verse right here, something like that is repeated over and over. There's a flurry of activity, and then Jesus goes to pray. Sometimes the flurry of activity is not even over, and Jesus is already on the way to pray. But that's what he does. That's the pattern of his life. Now, it would be really easy for us to just start talking holy and say that we should do that. We should do that all the time. It should be easy for us, right? We should pray even when things are great. We should do some activity, and then we should go to pray. And we can say that because it is the, it is the right thing, and we should do that. But Uh, Jesus' pattern here reveals, again, one of the most pure motivations to pray. And that's held true in in my life, even though I'm I'm nowhere near as as diligent 
as Jesus demonstrates him to be. The pattern is still true, but I'm many, many steps behind Jesus. Uh, There comes a point, and I'm sure for all of us, when there's just nothing left to do but send some words towards God. Whatever the thing is that's causing weight, whether it's time, energy, tired, demands, overwhelmed, things outside control, whatever, there's, there has been something, I would imagine, that has forced you into prayer. And, and, and that actually is an example of how God designed prayer for us. That is by design. And now while Jesus was better at doing it before things got that extreme, it still accomplishes that, that thing that we all just resonated with. It proves some of what prayer accomplishes, which is that it breathes hope and life back into us, especially when and primarily when there are those things that are outside our control. When we are empty, pressed, overwhelmed, whatever, we tend to be more likely to look to that eternal life source that we know is there, even if we tend to forget about it a little bit too often when things are easy. But as you pursue Jesus, because prayer recharges us, because in God is eternal life, as you pursue Jesus, meet him there in prayer. Eat the life that God has for you in prayer. Now, how does this work through worship? Uh, We're staying in the book of Luke, a few chapters forward to 19, verses 37 through 40. This is much later in Jesus' ministry. This is actually in the last week as things are about to get a little bit crazy before going to the cross. And so Jesus is approaching Jerusalem for what's going to be the last time. And so the Bible says in verse 37 of Luke 19, as Jesus was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, teacher, Rebuke your disciples. He answered, if I, tell, or I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. Now, it's, it, it's kind of an interesting way to end that, and, and that one uh, has stood out to me before. Why does Jesus take this conversation and then just start talking about rocks? Um, well, here's, here's the order of what happens in this verse. People see Jesus, and they praise God. Right? Hallelujah. Blessed is the king. Glory in the highest. Okay. Then, uh, verse 39, some Pharisees tell Jesus that the people should not worship in this way. And if you know this story, they want people to stop confusing Jesus with God. That's the conversation that's happening. People see Jesus, they praise God. Pharisees say, tell them to stop that. Right? We're not convinced you're God. They should not equate Jesus with God and offer praise. And then Jesus says, this is exactly correct. 
That's what he's doing in verse 40 with the rocks. Jesus is saying this is the natural order of things. It is the way the world works that God should be praised. And if these people don't do it, then dang it, the rocks are going to worship. It's just the order of things. It's how the world works. When we worship, we are fulfilling our designed purpose. It is natural and right and God-ordered that we worship. And one of the primary purposes of the Bible and the church is to get us to remember that our worship is to be focused on Jesus and not something else. It's, not, it's, it's like not only eating food, but worship is like eating healthy food. It's like this is, you can eat stuff and you can survive, but really, this is what's good for you. This is the natural order of things. Worship is at its core realigning our priorities and our values from what they could be or what they were in the world and back onto God. That's what we do when we worship. We take, we take a misaligned priority and we, we bring it back towards the center with Jesus. We take something that we valued a little bit too much and we begin to revalue Jesus. When we worship, whether it's in a song of praise or it is in some way that we've structured our life in worship, we repent from misplaced priorities in something else and place them back on the risen Lord Jesus. Now, a quick note here. This, this does not just happen by magic. Again, this, we looked at the three verses. It's where our work meets God's work. And so this doesn't just happen if we f accidentally find ourselves at a church and a song is being played and we are in the room while the song happens. Not worship. Sorry if I'm the first one to tell you that. I hope I'm not. N nothing, nothing magic happens when we are idle. Th this is reference to worship. Now, songs are one of the best and most beloved ways for the church to worship because we actually put the right priorities on screen for us and we do music and we have other people saying them as well. It's amazing. You believe Jesus is Lord? I'll believe Jesus is Lord. This is so cool. We come together. We are encouraged by one another. We forget some of what we brought in with us and we bring it back and point it to Jesus. That might take a little bit of effort. It might. You might have to use your vocal cords. You might have to just sit and think and meditate. Whatever it is, this takes work. Same is true when we're not just talking about music. When we're talking about worshiping God with our time and our giving and all the other ways that we can take values and priorities from something else, put them back on Jesus Christ. It, it, it takes a little bit, but this is, as Jesus says, the way the world works. God will be worshipped. We get to be part of that or not. So those are two of our activities. And there's one more. We have prayer, we have worship, and we have the word of God. 
And so here I'm going to 2 Timothy chapter 3. Uh, Verse 16 for right now, but really 15 and 16 are kind of part of one sentence, one thought. But pursuing Jesus through the word of God. 2 Timothy 3.16, probably a verse you may be familiar with. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. And I'll just finish the sentence, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. 2 Timothy 3.16 is so valuable to us. All scripture is breathed out by God. Breath is important in 2020, is it not? God breathes. God breathes into this book. That's, that is a little bit of a weird idea if you think about it. There is life in these words. And remember, that's the goal, right? Not starving to death. There is life here. But how do we get that life? This, this conversation goes so many different directions, but at its core, it's very, very simple. There is no substitute for you and for I, for me. I don't know how I'm supposed to conjugate that. Putting in the work toiling to meet God here in these pages for yourself. As he reveals himself to each one of us through his word, through his written word. Now what's funny about this activity that sends us towards Jesus in particular is it can come with a host of objections. And the primary one that I've heard in my life throughout ministry is that I don't like to read. I don't like Reading, is there another option? Uh, Well, sort of, and I have good news. Prayer doesn't require you to read. Worship does not require you to read. But there is something very specific, this third activity that Jesus has pointed to, this book that has held God's people together in unity for thousands of years It is special. It is alive. It has the life of God. It sends us towards Jesus. This has been uh, no small part of my own journey. As some of you know, I, I went to college and I wanted to do a whole different career path. And God very clearly, uh, through my terrible GPA and other reasons, said, no, uh, I want you to teach the Bible. And what I noticed beginning to go down that path in myself, in others, in my friends, in teachers, in almost everyone, as I went down this path of what does it look like, what does it mean to teach the Bible, the thing that became so very clear to me is that there is a whatever you want to call it, a danger, a a temptation, a a, a current, a, a strong desire to be content with words about Jesus more than the words of Jesus. 
It's just a thing I ran into really quickly. And I didn't know why it was there. It, for, for, for us as listeners and as teachers, it's almost easier to just have thoughts about who God might be than to actually wrestle with what God says. We've got podcasts and books and uh, online influencers who generate really cool-looking, kind of Christian-sounding content. We've got YouTube experts, whatever the world that means. We've got Facebook memes, and we've got speeches. And isn't it just easier sometimes to go there than to actually deal with this for myself? Let somebody else make it easier for me and tell me what they think about Jesus. It's not like this is inaccessible. For $10, I can have the written words of the creator of the universe. For $55, I can have the written words of the creator of the universe in a nice leather cover and space for creative journaling. But, but, but it does take some work. It just does. That's why over and over the New Testament says, you must work to get to where God works. And even in this Verse, all scriptures breathed out by God and profitable. That is amazing, but there's no period there. For teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Not a one of those is passive. And they maybe don't even sound that enjoyable. Much like certain elements of getting in shape are not enjoyable. But it does take us to where God's life is flowing freely. So as this is part of the vision of North Shore, we're making intentional efforts to do this as well, to make it part of life here, to provide what this looks like for all of us. So if we start back on our first activity, you may have noticed that we have been incorporating opportunities to pray every single Sunday, whether that's online or here afterwards. Uh, and that's just one. There are a, a whole host of ways to be a person of prayer at North Shore. Now, worship is crafted excellently by the team here with Josh and Brittany, and, and uh, on Sundays, great effort is put into creating something where we are able to worship well. And that's not all too, right? Before we were shut down, this culture was being created of worship nights coming here. And every ministry that we have at North Shore generates some sort of, of ability and information and outlet for us to worship with our lives. That's part of the lifestyle at North Shore as well. And then the Word of God, obviously, is brought from this stage every Sunday morning. And you've heard it before, but Pastor Scott has a spoken dedication to the Word of God and being people of the Word here, and not just words about Him. But also, we have very specific ways to wrestle with the Bible through different ministries as Women's uh, study is just starting up, and 
an incredible one is biblical foundations as people dive even deeper than what we can cover on a Sunday morning, also starting up this fall. And we do things with the word specifically in student ministry and all over the place to press into what it means to receive the life that God has for us in his word. So as life goes through its different seasons, and we all maybe have set records for how many seasons we've gone through this year, but as we go through whatever that looks like, and time and energy come and go, um, let's just ask ourselves, where do I need to maybe make a, a dedicated effort to pursue Jesus specifically down one of these activities that send us towards Jesus? Not just because I need to add more work, but where do I need to really try to do what God designed for me, not try to paddle across stage, but to meet God where he says he'll meet me. Let's make a dedicated attempt to find the life that Jesus has waiting for us. Let us pursue, not aimlessly, but let us fight to make sure that God is doing his work in us. Let's pray. Lord, as we go to... Uh, yet another small opportunity here to worship you. We, we do ask that you come and fill our minds and fill our hearts. And not just moment, not just one moment among many on a Sunday morning, but God, help us do this tomorrow when it's a little harder. Whatever that looks like, God, we are grateful that you so specifically laid out how we can interact with the creator of the universe. You've given us prayer. You've shown us how to worship. You've given us your word. Let us meet you there. Give us the strength to do so. And thank you for your promise to do work in our lives.